Welcome ravenous readers and culture consumers to Bohemian Geek Studies. The place where nerdy knights gather together to read the warning labels on the bleach bottles and share our insatiable <laughs> thirst for intellectual discussions about our favorite books, shows, and movies. My name is Sarah O'Connor, queen of queries, leader of literature, and defender of droids, and totally delighted. <laughs> I've been saving that one. Um, <laughs> or I thought about that like just a second ago, and I was like, I gotta use it. Anyway, uh, I'm Will Lee, grammarian, inquisitor, lord charcuterie, and keeper of lengthy records. And I'm Flo, ambassador from Naboo, Chudley Cannon's aficionado, and manager of mischief. As a friendly disclaimer, each episode of BGS is meant to be enjoyed by everyone, but we encourage you to listen to the episode first, without younglings present, to make sure it's right for the whole family. Last week, we explored the theme, making friends and preparing for war, as we witnessed Matilda make new friends like Lavender, meet fellow comrades in arms against the tyrannical Trunchbull like Hortensia, and cheer on the deliciously adorable Pac-Man stunt double, Bruce Bogtrotter. Man, I love that kid. Right? I love him. And this week, we're going to be looking at three, yes, three chapters. First, chapter 12, Lavender, then chapter 13, The Weekly Test, and then chapter 14, The First Miracle. And we're doing all these three as a package to explore the theme, Operation Launch the Newt, as Lavender and Matilda launch covert attacks that even Genghis Kong would be proud of, using a tiny little dragon against the manacore of Crunchum Hall, giantess Agatha Trunchbull. So, without further ado, let's get into a quick summary of chapters before taking a detailed dorky dive more deeply into that delicious text. Kicking off chapter 12 with disturbing news, Miss Honey informs the class that the headmistress will take over the class for one period each week, as is her custom. Lavender is tasked with the important role of ensuring Miss Trunchbull's jug of water and glass are ready, and we start to see Lav-Lav's mind begin to devise ways to live up to the daring deeds of Hortensia and Matilda. She quickly settles on a plan, and it's a stealth mission to lay a secret living trap, which she fires by launching a newt with a perplunking plop into Agatha Trunchbull's blue-glazed pottery jug. And in chapter 13, Miss Trunchbull enters the protective keep of Miss Honey's classroom and immediately fires off really nasty verbal shots, calling kids things like too dirty, too disgusting, and too dumb. Even though they're so super clever and polite, knowing the difference between right, W-R-I-T-E, Right, R-I-G-H-T, and wrong, B-U-L-L-Y, that's Trunchbully. And Agatha might like her students to be shaken, but they're more stirred to action than ever, refusing to back down or show fear as she launches tough question after tough question their way. The class handles the Mrs. D, Mrs. I, Mrs. F, F, I, Mrs. C, Mrs. U, Mrs. L, T, Y situation with relative ease, all things considered, when things finally go full tilt in chapter 14, when Mrs. T tries to take a drink of water. Man, Sarah, I think you were a cheerleader in a past life. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> rah, rah, sis, boom, blah. <laughs> Horrified by the tiny crocodile, Miss Trunchbull blames Matilda for its presence loudly, unfairly, without proof. The magic that had been bubbling and brewing inside of Matilda each time she was yelled at unfairly finally unleashes itself. Woo-hoo. And she man I know, right? 
it's about time. And she manages to telekinetically push the glass of water over, splashing water and a newt down the front of Mrs. Trunchbull. Like Hogwarts students rising up in the Great Hall during book seven, spoiler alert, <laughs> Matilda's classmates rise up against the headmistress to protect Matilda, and Miss Honey pulls a sitcom-like ending, dismissing the class for the day as soon as Miss Trunchbull slumps away in retreat, having lost the day's battle. So with those excellent summaries in mind, let's explore some of the most pertinent passages in these fantastic chapters. begin talking about the theme of launch the newt, let's first consider the opening to chapter 12. Here's the quote. I have some important news for you, so listen carefully. You too, Matilda. Put that book down for a moment and pay attention. Small eager faces looked up and listened. I, I like this quote because it really shows how the class, including Matilda, listens to Miss Honey, and that Miss Honey is is capable of getting everyone's attention, including Matilda's, out of that book, and can actually command Matilda to do so. Not not being mean or anything, but it's a kind of mutual respect that really isn't present in any of Matilda's other relationships, which is unfortunate, but it's nice to at least see here. And speaking of which, Flo, before we kind of break down the parent perspective from both of you, do you have any like little tick, trick or tip or something with a stumbling T that you used <laughs> in the classroom that maybe some parents who need a little extra oomph could use to get attention. Well, I'm all ears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I said this in either the last episode or the episode before, but parents just don't have the same pull that teachers have. Yeah. So I've actually been talking a lot about that as we've been doing distance learning. A lot of the parents are saying, like, my kid is crying every day. I can't get them to work. And so I just tell them, like, text me or email me and I will hop on a Zoom meeting. And trust me, your kid will work for me in 20 <laughs> minutes. Not a problem. Um, yeah, it's just different. In my class, um, I use a lot of music cues. So I was taught by this really, if you're a teacher and you're listening to this, look up Rick Morris right now. Just like pause the podcast. <laughs> go, <laughs> go Google Rick Morris. He's an amazing um, guru of classroom management. And he says that if you use your voice too much for transition times and like getting attention sort of things, then the kids will tune you out when you're trying to teach. Oh. So instead of like, doing the thing where it's like one two three eyes on me or whatever because the kids don't care about that right i have music cues that i queue up through bluetooth speakers throughout my classroom and so they hear the music cue they know to go to the rug or line up or put their pencils down or whatever it is and then i can use my voice to give instructions so kind of like exactly how miss honey ended class like a sitcom to engage you enter from the commercial break like it's time to talk about abc's kids yes and <laughs> just so you know my go to the rug song is the price is right theme song so. nice <laughs> okay so since we kind of got your perspective flow unless there's something you want to add um you know pertinent to your own little one will do you have any advice or or maybe more likely consolation to some parents who might be listening going, oh my goodness, thank you teachers. I've seen a lot of memes, like oh yeah, a lot of different ways thanking and bemoaning and missing teachers 
uh, sympathy, anything you can offer, Will? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the learning curve has been so steep. Um, but, I mean, we found, I would say that we found little things here and there that, that really do help. I think, first of all, just this shift to um, this idea of school at home is is a hard curve, right, for, for kids and for their parents. So we have a space for it, which is good. So like a dedicated space for it. The other thing that probably helps is even even kind of throughout the day, we just kind of work in, or I try to, and I can remember to like work in lessons into just like whatever's happening. If we're like cooking or cleaning or stuff like that, if I can like say something like, oh, what letters does that start with? Oh, it starts with B, like that you that you studied this morning or that or yesterday. So stuff like that. I don't know how much it helps, but it seems to be sinking in. So that's that's about all I can ask for right now. Yeah, yeah. Any anything else you'd like to add about your magically mischief uh, managed uh, minx of a lass? Yeah, my daughter's crazy. I just want to give everybody some reassurance that our own kids do not listen to us, just like yours do not listen to us. So teacher kids do not have a leg up. Uh, my daughter just looks at me and says, "No, mommy, stop talking." So. <laughs> Um, we've been doing good. She misses school a lot. She's really, really social. So that's been the hardest part. She's really, really bright. So she knows that we're not going to school because everybody is sicky. So we've, we we actually live very close to her daycare. So we've been walking there and she's been able to see it. And I think tomorrow we're going to go and do some chalk art in their parking lot. So that'll be nice. But at home, yeah, we're doing a letter a week. She's two and a half. And just been doing art projects. My husband got furloughed, so he uh, is taken on daddy school. And nice. it's, been, it's been good. I write the curriculum, he executes. That's nice. perfect. Well, it sounds like uh, he's swatting it up just like our kids are, which gets us to kind of our next quote. Miss Honey advises the students that Miss Trunchbull will be testing everyone when she comes to the classroom on what they learned. Reminder, it's still only their first week of school, which was the two times tables and tells them all to quote unquote swat it up. And What's really delicious is those little British phrases that stay, even though things like, I noticed, what is it, distance was put in inches instead of centimeters. So I really cherish those non-converted moments and that non-converted language, which means to study intensely for an exam. It's like a cram jam. So for you guys who are sitting at home thinking, ugh, school, swat it up get it done. Let's now talk to um, what kind of newt lavender plan to launch against the headmistress because some of us have different rules regarding how far we can get into nature right now. And so whether or not you're able to get out there in the natural world, we can take a detailed dorky dive vocab moment into naming that newt. A quick peek behind the curtain. When I saw this in the script and I saw Name That Newt, immediately the Pokemon Name That Pokemon <laughs> song <laughs> went into my head. Um, so that's just my inner Pokemon nine-year-old nerd coming out. Perfect. <laughs> and uh, and Sarah, I don't know if you ran into this during your legal practice, but have you ever seen SWAT as an acronym? Oh, man. Will, yeah, I'm a little bit rusty now. Maybe. Okay. I want to I be nerdy and say yes, but I want to be honest and say not. Does okay. not ring a bell. 
because I ran into it a bunch during doc review and it's something in business that it stands for strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And it's a way for like businesses to like chart out what's going on in a project. No, I've heard it from my husband who does that kind of stuff. He'd be nodding along right now, but me, uh uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, but like I, I in rereading the book, I looked at that and I was like, "Huh," but that's I think they're completely different. I don't think they have any. I don't. I don't think they share an origin or anything like that. I think it's also used as an adjective because I read a lot of fan fiction, and in Harry Potter fan fiction, they often refer to Hermione as swatty. Oh, oh there cool. you go. <laughs> the more you know, listeners, the more you know. All right, well, now it's time to name. That! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, here's the quote. There was a muddy pond at the bottom of Lavender's garden, and this was the home of a colony of newts. The newt, although fairly common in English ponds, is not often seen by ordinary people, because it is a shy and murky creature. It is an incredibly ugly, gruesome-looking animal, rather like a baby crocodile, but with a shorter head. It is quite harmless, but doesn't look it. It is about six inches long and very slimy, with a greenish-gray skin on top and an orange-colored belly underneath. It is, in fact, an amphibian, which can live in or out of water. And with the power of Google, Lab's weapon of choice is very likely a quote-unquote smooth newt. These little dudes match the visual description that Dahl provides, and they hang out in ponds and pools during spring to early summer. Since this is the very beginning of school, we're kind of looking at later summer, so maybe. And they also like to chill under logs and stones near the water in late summer. Ah, ding, 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 matchy match. There we go. And before we move on, Um, It is important, I think, to do a quick compare and contrast between how Matilda conducts her warfare and how Lavender (laughs) conducts hers. Because Lavender's inspiration for this, of course, was Matilda borrowing a parrot. And but Lavender, we see very quickly, treats that newt way better than Matilda treated the parrot. For one, she doesn't shove it up a chimney. Um, (laughs) But Lavender captures the newt um, pretty humanely and she puts some pond weed in the pencil case and remembers to leave it open a crack so that it can breathe um and even at the end of this she she recovers it so which makes me wonder if she actually might keep it as a pet who knows yeah i'm really hoping that this newt is now totally her magical familiar Mm -hmm. and i'm really really hoping it isn't another unregistered anna mangus They're just everywhere. Yeah, they're just everywhere, man. You just really got to look out for those old dudes chilling in animal bodies when they shouldn't be. In kids' beds. Yeah, not cool, Pete. Not cool. And so at least when it comes to this little dude, after the glass tips over, this newt lands on the floor besides Lavender's desk. She picks it up, puts it back into her pencil box for another time. Quote, a newt, she decided, was a very useful thing to have around. So ultimately, regardless, I just want to give shouts and want us all to just agree that she's definitely following in Newt's commander's footsteps and will hopefully, fingers crossed, most likely study magical creatures and be slated in House Hufflepuff. (laughs) And, And Flo, just to say... 
Have you ever had any weird presence or animagi, assuming that's the plural of the word, left on your desk before? No. A lot <laughs> of, um, I don't want to like put on blast any of the weird presents I've gotten, <laughs> but I will say I get a lot of baked treats. And mm. if the parents ever tell me like, oh, so-and-so helped bake them as I'm the kid, that's not going in my mouth. <laughs> so thank you, but no thank you. I do want to shout out my student who just got me the very best present, which is an autographed um, picture of Rupert Grint, who is my favorite. And so um, thank you, Lana, if you're listening. That's been the best. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love my students. I miss them a lot. That's really wow. sweet. So, so cool. And I think with that, we can jump over to chapter 13, the weekly test. So for this chapter, we're going to examine it by looking at some of the key interactions Miss Trunchbull has with specific pupils. Because remember, she comes in, this is their first interaction with the headmistress kind of shadowing, taking over the class. And first up for victimhood is Nigel. And so when Agatha Trunchbull enters, she is super duper testy and demands to inspect all of the kiddos for cleanliness. She zeroes in on Nigel for being too filthy. And while we love a good hand-washing lesson, especially now, Trunchbull isn't exactly going about it in a helpful way. Flo, since you've got the expertise here, do you mind chiming in at all? Sure. Um, yes, I, I am the expert on grimy hands. Um, <laughs> yeah, kids are pretty gross. I'm going to be with the Trunchbull on this <laughs> one. They're filthy. We do try and teach proper hand washing, specifically in kindergarten. I know our kindergarten teachers have the kids wash their hands after they eat snack, before they have lunch, and after they have lunch. So that's honestly pretty good. We do recommend that they wash their hands for 20 seconds or twice happy birthday. And some of them do that. And actually, the funniest thing is my bathroom is in my classroom. So there's, you know, there's a door separating it, obviously. But yeah, I can hear kids singing from the inside. And it'll oh, interrupt cool. my lessons, but it's very cute. <laughs> yeah, I, I have, um, I've got two singers really this year who sing while they're doing their thing or washing their hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Well, we tip our hats to them. And I think we can also tip Mr. Wormwood's pork pie hat at Agatha for noting it was perfectly ridiculous. One of the things that happens with Nigel is the breakdown of the song on how to spell difficulty. And so I do want to give Aggie Girl a little tip of the hat for critiquing Miss Honey's song um, for only having married letter ladies. So even though she's absolutely awful to all of these kiddos, I guess, I don't know, what's one of those cool cliche sayings that's like even a something something does something something? Even a broken clock is right there for today. There it is. <laughs> And speaking, oh, what a great transition flow. Speaking of broken clocks or magical clocks, let's now go on to the next student we want to focus on, Rupert. 
Oh, Rupert. So poor Rupert. He's asked what two times seven is. And we've already talked about this. They really shouldn't be knowing multiplication like this in kinder. And he answers incorrectly because he's a kindergartner. Yeah. (laughs) And here's what Miss Trunchbull bellows out. You ignorant little slug. You witless weed. First of all, side note, she loves alliteration. Yes, we do too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You empty-headed hamster. You stupid glob of glue. She had now stationed herself directly behind Rupert, and suddenly she extended a hand the size of a tennis racket and grabbed all the hair on Rupert's head in her fist. His mother thought it was beautiful to behold and took a delight in allowing it to grow extra long. The Trunchbull had a great dislike for long hair on boys, as she had for plaits and pigtails on girls, and she was about to show it. She took a firm grip on Rupert's long golden tresses with her giant hand, and then, by raising her muscular right arm, she lifted the helpless boy clean out of his chair and held him aloft. It really was a quite extraordinary sight to see this giant headmistress dangling the small boy high in the air and the boy spinning. The children sat there hypnotized. None of them had ever seen anything quite like this before. It was splendid entertainment. It was better than a pantomime, but with one big difference. In this room, there was an enormous human bomb in front of them, which was liable to explode and blow someone to bits any moment. The children's eyes were riveted on the headmistress. (laughs) Yeah, dude, it's just not good. (laughs) No, so like the most, the thing that I care about the most here is how do your students react to this in the class? Like when I read it? Yes. Um, every time that she insulted them, like the, the glob of glue and the, the hamster comment, they all, it was just a collective, like, (gasps) (gasps) we have a rule in my class. We use, um, appreciations, no put downs. Mm -hmm. And so they were all like, that's a put down, Mrs. Siegel. That's a put down. So, well, for, for someone who doesn't have kids yet. And again, speaking as someone who like maybe is speaking on behalf of like new parents here what what does that mean? Because maybe some people don't yet use it in the household and could. Yeah, actually, this is a, a good way for me to tell you all the rules in my class because we don't have rules. We have agreements. And that might help you at your house right now, parents. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So here's here's like a podcast within the podcast. Exactly. Closed classroom. The <laughs> Miss like Honey edition. So, I'm yeah. Okay. Notes. So what are the rules? Yeah. So. I was trained in the TLC tribes method at my last school, and it's something that I've carried over to this current school, even though we use a different social emotional curriculum. So the agreements that everybody who enters my classroom holds themselves to is mutual respect, attentive listening, which means listening with our eyes, ears, and hearts, and we model what that looks like. We have appreciation, no put downs, which would be we don't speak ill of anybody or of ourselves and oftentimes when they say something like i'm so bad at math or i can't read this i have them apologize to themselves and give themselves an appreciation to build that one definitely up. applies in people's households mm-hmm. for sure yeah definitely. it's a big sure. one that is and then one. so can you repeat that repeat that sure. example one more time Flo, because i think that's a big one <laughs> so yeah that's no put downs which is no negative talk to others or to yourself So we, whenever we make a mistake with somebody else, whenever we're calling somebody a name or saying like, you're bad at Foursquare, we expect- Uh, Foursquare. Oh oh yeah, Foursquare is a big one. We expect the kids to apologize to that person. 
but very rarely do we make kids apologize to themselves for saying negative comments about themselves. And so I really encourage that. Um, and then the last wait, rule- wait, so so what Will should have just done there was I can work on my four square to become better instead That's of right. I'm not good at four square. Mm, yeah, I, I also see. I preach a lot of growth mindset. So cool, we, cool, cool, we cool, use cool. the power of yet. Mm-hmm. And so we can say, I'm not good at four square yet, but I can dun, keep dun, practicing dun. and be mm-hmm. better at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's good stuff. The last one is the right to pass or participate. And that is that students can choose to have more think time. They can choose to not participate if that's an option, which it is in share time. They can choose to pass or, of course, they can choose to participate. So at the end of every circle, I'll say anybody who passed who would now like to participate. And so those students who needed that extra time now get to step in if they choose to. That does not mean they get to pass on schoolwork. They all have to do schoolwork. Love it. And do you have those written down somewhere when when you like, when they, when the kids get into the classroom? Yeah. So they're posted on my bathroom door, actually. I've got posters of them. And then we talk about them all the time. And oftentimes our morning question is, what agreement will you be working on today? That's hard for you. Yeah, so, I like it. Yeah, I'll send you a PDF, Will. Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll and maybe take we that can, and print it out, please. Yeah, and maybe we can post it on BGS. And since this is an auditory medium, listeners, may I paint you a picture? For the first episode ever, Flo was recording with her glasses on, and she adjusted them as necessary during her rule breakdown. So, like, so. just so that you could fully appreciate. Just so you can appreciate even further, these are not actual glasses. These are blue light glasses that I have been oh. forced to get since teaching online virtually. So oh. I'm loving them. They, I highly encourage you listeners to get some blue light glasses. They have completely reduced my headaches from looking at screens. I wear them mm-hmm. pretty much all the time. Oh. Now. I'm calling that a vocab moment too. That's nice. a perfect vocab moment. Almost every teacher in our staff Zoom meetings have their blue light glasses on. But yes, I feel very Ravenclaw with them on. Yeah. (laughs) And now that we've learned a little bit more on how to be better than Trunchbull when it comes to how she's handling her students, let's talk about, I think, at least one more. And this is Eric. And what, what, what is his poor problem, Will? Poor Eric Inc., and yeah, I felt bad for this kid because he he doesn't know how to spell what. And in this age of internet speak, I have seen what spelled every single way possible. W-H-A-T-W-O-T-W-H-U-T-W-U-T. Aria Star W-O-T. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And despite this, he gives it a shot and... While he and after he fails, Miss Trunchbull uh, yanks him up painfully by just his ears, and we have to disagree strongly with her assertion that the best form of teaching is by hammering it into students because it seems like that's her only mode of teaching. And as Miss Honey cries out, it could cause some permanent damage. I just kind of am reminded by the what's the what's the phrase when when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah, and that's that's kind of Miss Trunchbull to a T, right? And these interactions with all these students and the language that Doll uses to describe Miss Trunchbull and her actions really kind of give some more credence to our tinfoil headcanon that she's either part giantess or she's in charge of getting these students tested and uh, well battle tested and ready for Hogwarts potentially. Yeah, and I mean not to belabor the point since we've covered it before, but just to highlight, I think in frankly 
this chapter alone, or certainly within these three chapters, you see time and time again in the in the quote that Flo read, as well as other descriptors sprinkled in like gigantic figure, giant mm-hmm. headmistress, a pillar of doom, a monster. And like, I know this is totally, totally like Monday night quarterbacking. But she even states, quote, what a bunch of nauseating little warts. And I just read like Hogwarts you are because Mm -hmm. I'm going to, quote, have to put up with a load of garbage like you in my school for the next six years. Well, five plus six equals 11 equals Hogwarts letter. Like, JK, I, I love what you may have borrowed and adapted here. I love it. And and I don't know. Are there any other ones? Maybe maybe I'll just say because mm-hmm. we love the tongue in cheek portrayal of Trunchbull having never been a little girl. She also says ridiculous things like, "quote I was never a small person. I've been large all my life, and I don't see why others can't be the same way." Including insisting, "I was never a baby." And what I'm doing is a-okay, including making a kid look like a pixie, a.k.a. a magical creature they'll be encountering soon for their rest of their lives. And maybe one of the last favorite things is that Doll does these subtle little nods to kind of historical literature demigods gods every once in a while in his books and he calls trunchbull a gorgon and so flora will do you want to do you mind breaking down kind of what i had found on google regarding a gorgon well you can take it yeah so this is this brings us to our next vocab moment which is the word gorgon uh, and in Greek mythology, a gorgon is a mythical creature that was portrayed in ancient Greek literature. The descriptions vary and occur in the earliest examples of Greek literature, but it commonly refers to any of the three sisters who had hair made of living venomous snakes. Shouts out to the symbolism here and evidence of which continues to mount intentionally or not. And these women also had a horrifying visage that helped, that turned those who beheld them to stone. So in the tradition, there were there were two Gorgons, Stheno and Uriel. Um, Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> and I have not. I mean, I've read a lot of Greek mythology. I don't remember those names Mm-mm. from like... Um, Edith Hamilton, who or whoever um, was was writing, the those two sisters were immortal, but their sister Medusa was not, and was slain by demigod and hero Perseus. Yeah, so at least at least according to Wikipedia, that's a breakdown, as well as my understanding of at least when it comes to Medusa and who that gal was and speaking of a potential slytherin demigod in the making flow matilda's kind of little standoff against agatha that really ratchets up in the next chapter is kind of the last one closing this out so do you mind finishing us up for this chapter before we head on off to the next one sure yeah the trunchbull gets really frustrated because matilda has read a very advanced book beyond her age and she makes that known to the trunchbull 
And the frustration turns into fury. She lashes out at Matilda for being a con man's daughter, which, you know, there's no lie there. She yeah. is a con man's daughter. Yeah. But no yeah. It wasn't very nice to bring it up in the middle of class. Yeah, rude. <laughs> and Matilda knows. She knows her father's a crook. Um, she's called her father a crook before to his face. But she deflects the Trunchbull's accusations by stating that he's clever at his business, which is a very nice spin. Super good, good spin. She is, uh, she's meant to be some sort of a politician for sure. And uh, the two fierce fighters, Miss Trunchbull and Matilda, return to their respective desks. And that's how we kick off chapter 14. Both of them kind of stewing in uh, anger. I do like how, um, how Matilda is kind of like, nobody insults my dad but me. That's right. Yes, that's it. Uh, Honestly, that's exactly what it was evoking. And I, I love that take. I love that take. And so to finish off today's episode, let's look to chapter 14, which opens with a phrase that you will never hear out of Flo's mouth unless I tell her to take it away right now. Flo, what quote lives in infamy and definitely stands out as one that just, it's so iconically Matilda, if you've read Matilda. Yes, the Trunchbull says, my idea of a perfect school, Miss Honey, is one that has no children in it at all. And I have to tell you, Sarah, unfortunately, we say that quite often. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of times um, my team and I will say things when it's been a really, really hard day, when the parents have been on our backs, when the kids are just like screaming at the top of their lungs, we'll be like, why didn't we become accountants? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's it's a hard job, but the Trunchbull has it really easy and she should not she should not be acting like this at all. Especially in front of the kids. In front of the kids, it's really messed up. There's there's that similar line in any industry. Like, if Colleen were here, she would totally resonate with me, I anticipate, when I say, like, the idea of a perfect restaurant when you're a waitress, that there, that there are no customers to get in the way of. Or, like, Will, I'm sure this sometimes rings a bell. Sometimes the hardest thing when you're trying to lawyer is the clients you were trying to assist. It's your own client. Yep. <laughs> yes. And and sometimes that's unfair, mm-hmm. which gets us to our second favorite pertinent quote for this chapter pertaining to the unfairness of being called a liar when you're telling the truth. And oh boy, is this one of my like, whew, do I get Matilda on this? When Miss Trunchbull tries to get a drink of water and the newt plops out, she flipping loses it. Quote, she was especially furious that someone had succeeded in making her jump and yell like that because she prided herself on her toughness. She looked at this moment more terrifying than ever before. The fires of fury and hatred were smoldering in her small black eyes. When she barks at Matilda to stand up and be horribly verbally berated, blamed, and abused for Lavender's trick, <laughs> like shouts to Lav Lav, felt totally guilty, but was not about to squeal on herself. And so, like, what I- I'm gonna I'm gonna let one of you two 
take the next quote because like it just I love the idea that we see in our literary heroes this like of evoking of seeing red you see this with Potter you see this with Matilda oh yeah I was gonna say this is book five Harry for sure yeah (laughs) very very much so I can take it if you want yeah go ahead (laughs) Matilda was also beginning to see red she didn't in the least mind being accused of having done something she had actually done she could see the justice in that It was, however, a totally new experience for her to be accused of a crime that she definitely had not committed. No, that's funny. It's good, right? (laughs) Oh, the rottenness of it all. The unfairness. How dare they expel her for something she hadn't done? And yeah, somewhere Harry Potter book five is fist bumping Matilda in commiseration. He's got his like, I must not tell lies scar. And that's the hand he's he's using for his fist bump for sure. (laughs) Yeah, and like, no, no go, go ahead. Every Flo. time I read the scene, I'm brought back to the Lindsay Lohan parent trap where Meredith Blake takes a sip of that water bottle and the lizard goes into her mouth. Yes. And so it just like shouts to pop culture for really reading Matilda. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So I think that's actually a really great smooth transition for us to finally see kind of this culmination of the theme lav might have set up the stunt but matilda is the one to really take it home on page 164 aka that is 68% of the way through the book we finally see our little witch or long lost great 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 granddaughter of palpatine find and use her powers for the first time Quote, and now, quite slowly, there began to creep over Matilda a most extraordinary and peculiar feeling. The feeling was mostly in the eyes. A kind of electricity seemed to be gathering inside of them. A sense of power was brewing in those eyes of hers. A feeling of great strength was settling itself deep inside her eyes. But there was also another feeling, which was something else altogether and which she could not understand it was like flashes of lightning it was an amazing sensation and so she is pushing and she's pushing with these invisible little arms and eventually she topples the glass newt water all right on top of trunchbull and when i read this as a kid and i'll never forget it i was like okay this is possible like let's just figure out how to do this (laughs) yeah i was just about to say Everybody's tried this, right? Everybody's yeah. tried this. <laughs> yeah, I was to bring up too. I'm like, I remember staring at stuff across my room, yes. being like, mmm. right, and just like dried Absolutely. your eyes out. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and so I think while it might be arguably a little bit too late for the three of us, like maybe we can still get into um, break bills. Who knows? There's definitely more support for this being a Hogwarts feeder school. So let's get into that little tinfoil headcanon theory. I posit that one of the reasons Matilda is able to get away with this is because, first of all, it's totally 100% possible. Trunchbull knows that it's possible. Like, it's totally the punking that we saw of Mr. Wormwood in the Wormwood household being transferred now into the school arena. So Trunchbull has no idea which budding 
Witcher wizard has done this because she's legit traumatized the entire class, pushing them to like the Neville long bottom, put up, show up, we're just going to do something absolutely desperate. And since I've taken a few of the quotes and will, since you're usually so soft spoken, uh -huh. could you give us the trunch bowl roar here for us to maybe sure temper it or maybe oh to God. see you get a little Targaryen. We don't know. I Let's play it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. Bring it. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll, I'll put on my best uh, trunch bowl hat. Who did it? She roared. Come on. Own up. Step forward. You won't escape this time. Who's responsible for this dirty job? Who pushed over this glass? Bravo! So, bravo! Yeah, bravo! Woo! Anyway. And, and so, so what do you guys think of that little tinfoil? Do you think she, like, I mean, we see her blame Matilda, but she's definitely gone off on students in the wrong before. What do you guys think about this little tinfoil that I've thrown out here? I mean, I like it. I think it's dead on. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny just to think about how, how like her in, in this kind of tinfoil hat theory that, that her job is just to, you know, squeeze the magic out of this kid, out of these kids yes. by whatever way she can. Yes. And, and, and to your point, she, it just happened. So she's like, well, who was it? Except that she's done it to everybody. So. Yep. Yep. Know. Yep. And, it's funny. and sorry, today I was watching. We do a lot of Disney Plus watching at my house right now. Oh, yeah. So Charlotte wanted to watch The Incredibles. And oh, there's God. like the most perfect parallel in this book as to The Incredibles. It's when Dash gets, quote unquote, caught for putting the pushpin on the teacher's chair. Yes. And he oh, gets yeah. semi caught on video, but it's impossible to see oh, him move because so he's running good. so fast. And, you know, it's just like another little like, yep, check offs. She's probably super... <laughs> superhero Matilda Hogwarts student just along with Dash the superhero I love it and like especially I, I know sometimes the subsequent Harry Potter movies like the Fantastical Beasts get a hard rap but I frankly have really really enjoyed them and and like the what can happen when magic corrupts and isn't taken care of and when children aren't allowed to be themselves and are forced to repress themselves like that just mm -hmm. resonates and blows my mind. And so applying that kind of storytelling component, if you can call it that, I like to imagine Miss Honey kind of obviously knowing the reality of the school that she teaches in but also needing to keep up the facade. As we as adults know, there may be certain things that our generation is privy to, that younger generations aren't privy to. And so Miss Honey is keeping up that illusion and lets the kiddos loose in the playground so that they can burn off some of that magical energy because it is crackling in Crunchum Hall right then and there. Oh yeah, a lot of tension. <laughs> And so I think to kind of wrap up this episode, um, I really enjoyed and I thought it was really fun us kind of slating different students and figuring out how they may or may not fit into things. So let's wrap it up by spotting the final magic at Crunchham Hall. We explored whether or not it was a feeder school. And so why don't we look at kind of first Rupert? Because, I mean... 
I mean, Flo. <laughs> when I saw that you gave me Rupert. <laughs> yeah. Take take us on a Rupert ride. Oh, man, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yes, his name is Rupert. Unconfirmed. Last name Grint, a.k.a. My Boo. <laughs> not at this time, though. I'm not like that. Um, he is five or six at this point. His only crime really is having gorgeous gorgeous hair and also not knowing multiplication because again he's five or six his punishment um does not fit the crime the trench Mm-mm. bull hoists him high up in the air by his hair she instructs him on the finer points of two times seven which really is just 14 um that's the only point <laughs> and fortunately this heartthrob my beautiful beautiful rupert <laughs> Is he's proven that he's got magic in him. And after plummeting to the earth, he bounces like a football, survives, no injuries other than obviously a sore scalp. Um, nothing that a little little Molly Weasley loving can't can't. Yeah, help. a little Molly Molly waddling. Right. Little Molly wobbles. <laughs> uh and so I'm thinking he's a Gryffindor. Just like uh just like Ron. Yeah. Yep. Like well, it. how about uh you take it away with our guy Eric Inc. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's funny, like, looking at the name Eric Inc., I've always had a weird affinity for it because my name is also so dang short. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Eric Inc., he's he's also five or six. Um, his crimes, he dared to suggest that Miss Trunchbull was once a baby, um, <laughs> having having that last name Inc., uh, and incorrectly misspelling the word what. And for any of those things, uh, Miss Trunchbull hoists him up by his ears and holds him up high in the air until he spells the word correctly, which he does um, a- after she uh, pushes him on it a little bit. Um, and the only thing that happens is in a later chapter, he says that Miss Trunchbull definitely stretched them, and his mother said she's positive they're bigger than they were before. I mean, it's it's interesting. He He definitely came away from that without any serious damage which is probably difficult you know he didn't have to he, he might have gotten them back to normal if he if he'd gone to madame pomfrey but even yep. even without a visit he he was still okay so there might be some magic there just keep lockhart away from him yeah that's right <laughs> that's right he'll have no more ears that's so true and our last student here is hortensia who we got to meet earlier and she's 10, so it's not quite too late by Hogwarts standards, but um, we don't really get to see too much of her. And what we do get to see, maybe she's keeping her cards close, but I kind of get the sense from her yarn telling that she definitely would have shown off or said something about it if she could back it up. And so her crime and her punishment is frankly way too hard to tell, kind of like our guy Lockhart, the truth from the fiction. So I'm kind of leaning, if we're going to lean into this tinfoil, which we ought to, maybe she's simply been tested time and time again, which gives her some of that like story fodder, but she just hasn't shown those magical capabilities so she's trying to rise up in in the muggle way that she can what what do you guys think anything else to add to that i think she's the muggle liaison for weasley wizard wheezes yeah she's she's gonna be doing the muggle advertising for sure 
Yeah. Oh, and you know what? Actually, I really, no, no, no. I, let's dig into this deeper. She is, just as they did, recruiting the freshest, youngest blood. So, like, mm-hmm. you're totally, yes. absolutely, 100% yeah. dead on right. Yes, I'm sold. I know my Weasleys. What can I say? <laughs> That's right. But, yeah, no, I mean, she's she, she's been in the, the, the chokey countless times, right, by her by her yeah. telling and she knows what it's like in there she she describes it very well and she talks about how she comes out cut and bruised but doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of magic there but hey that's okay right yeah oh and let's 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 like undo like let's dig one more little shovel deep okay so like trunchbull knows that she has to press kids for magic parents put up with freaking anything Hortensia definitely has a role. And so maybe this is just like Hortensia definitely hasn't been expelled, right? Like mm-hmm. if it was truly, yeah. truly a problem, um, you know, I, we'll we'll do a big tip of the hat to to one of our favorite podcasts, Binge Mode, and say no safer place than Crunchham Hall, because like wow do the Weasleys get these kids into really problematic things? So I'm thinking Trunchbull is just tolerating it so that she's not always the bad guy because it's an easier way to test students. Here, swallow some magical things. Let's see how (laughs) you handle those traumatic treckle tarts or whatnot. Uh (laughs) I mean, Dumbledore didn't expel the Weasley twins, so she's taking a leaf out of his book. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. All right. Well, <laughs> well, those are some thoughts to think on as we move to our final closing segment, Thoughts to Think On. So to close out today's episode, um, I know people are getting anxious in their castles and their respective Hogwarts houses, and we know that whenever this podcast is consumed and enjoyed by you guys, hopefully we're at a different stage at where we are now. Maybe we aren't. So do you two have any suggestions or ideas, especially from the kiddo front, creative ways that we may be able to do some self-care with ourselves and with our kiddos whether or not we're able to capture newts like Lav Lav and put them in teachers' glasses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nice that Will and I are, are on opposite coasts because mm-hmm. the weather is really a factor in this. So, Will, yeah, I don't know if you want is. to kick it off with how it is over on the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, it's still been pretty cold out here. Um, it's We've had some nice days, some nice weekends, and it's it's definitely been nice to go on on walks um we don't ha- we we, ha- we do actually do have some trails here and and we can go on them and it's nice just to observe things just outside the house and i and i feel like talking about what we observe is nice and i don't know if meditative is the right word but it's definitely a oh, change sure. and so you need it and i, I don't know if if, if Char, Char is going through this too but like not having her classmates and her friends around is definitely a thing and my like like charlie's like made friends with the bees and i'm not even kidding like he's like oh, that is so bees. funny you know? so yeah. has charlie see she will go up to the bees so we've talked mm-hmm. about staying away from the bees because the bees mm-hmm. are hard at work 
Yep. And she oh. will go out to the bees and she'll go, hi, bees. Thank you, bees. Good job. And it's so sweet. Yeah, she it just is. needs somebody to talk to. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, interesting. It, it, it's it's funny that I wonder if it's more widespread than that even. But yeah. Yeah. Um, here in California, since the stay-at-home order has been in place, we've had very differing weather. We started off with it being very cold. It was mm-hmm. raining for about two weeks, which we never get. So we still had to get outside. So we put on our rain boots, which don't get... I'm in Los Angeles. Like, they just don't get worn. (laughs) So we went out. She loves to splash in puddles. And it was just nice to get some fresh air and clear our lungs. And then now it is uh, 96 degrees and burning hot. So so we have added a kiddie pool to... It's like not fair to call it a backyard. It's like a plot of cement outside of my house. But we've got the the kitty slide, the kitty swing, the kitty pool, the water table, the whole kit and caboodle. But mostly we just walk around our, our complex, our little neighborhood. And this morning we walked to the train tracks because Charlotte wanted to see the train tracks. And we've walked to her school. We've done chalk art at her school. We have walked to Starbucks, and the nice Starbucks workers have brought us out drinks, which was really nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and mostly we just walk around. We have a community garden. She likes to pick mint. So we've been picking mint and rosemary and just smelling things, and that just makes us feel good. Um, A lot of chalk drawing outside. And, yeah, talking to bees and finding roly-polies. I don't know if you guys call them roly-polies where you are. Maybe you guys call them pill bugs. I've see like growing up in different places, I have a weird amalgamation where I know that they are roly polies, potato bugs. Uh-huh. And what was the other one? Pill bugs. Pill bugs. Pill bugs. Yeah. yeah. That's the one that I've used the least. Yeah. So we call them roly polies in California. And so I think I've used pol- pill bugs the most actually of any. I've used potato like bugs the most. Interesting. Ah, yeah. Yeah. If, you take, if you take that New York Times or Washington Post quiz of where in the country are you from? Yeah, I got California. Yeah, I got I got uh, New England. So I yeah. did. I didn't take it. I'm I'm one of those weirdos who are like, listen, you're not in a magazine. Who's collecting my answers? <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, that's totally one of the questions, though. So. Yeah, it is. I know. That's why I was like, I know you guys call it something different, Mm -hmm. but we have never seen this many roly polies. And so we've been, oh my gosh, I think it's because people are staying home and nobody's stepping on them. Mm. So they've like been Mm -hmm. reproducing like crazy, I guess. They're really busy roly polies. And um, we've been seeing baby ones and mama ones and kind of making up stories about them. And it's been very sweet. So that's been super nice. I want to make like an adult joke about those pulleys be rolling or something oh. but <laughs> they're working pulleys, you know what i mean yeah <laughs> what have you been doing sarah as somebody without kiddos to get outside yeah and get yeah so what i'd say is for some of you folks who i know are like literally trapped in just two rooms and may not have access to parks one of the things i really liked doing when i was younger is and and i would suggest googling this because it's been a while since i've done this you can wet a like sheet of toilet or not toilet paper, paper towel, put an orange seed or a mandarin seed in it and put it in a plastic bag, tape it to a window and watch the seed grow. That's one mm. of my like, like that's a cool thing that you can do that's very low fuss, very low maintenance, very low space and literally watch life germinate in front of you. 
Um, and depending on how far you want to take it, you could try a few different seeds and apply a little scientific method, Ravenclaw the bleep out of it, and just try and experiment growing whatever in your own home, which allows you to bring a little bit of nature inside. Um, other things that I've been keeping busy, I just started getting painting again. A lot of the things that I've been working on is just like cleaning out space to make more space. So for any of you guys who might have a few hoarding tendencies, spring cleanings may be heading along the way. So that would be another suggestion for me as a family, maybe pulling the, uh, I think it's Maria Kondo. Marie Kondo, my uh, hero. Yeah. yeah, thank thank your possessions that are ready to find a new home. And as they go off to find a new home, we go off to record our next week's episode. So Flo, could you take us away for today? Of course. So until next time, keep telling your friends about the podcast and continue geeking out with us on Instagram at Bohemian Geek Studies, on Twitter at Geek Studies, and by emailing us a picture, thought, or question via audio recording or text at bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com. So until next time, folks, wands up and keep those pages turning.